thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Exception with your host, Rachel Favilla. Hello, lovely ones, and welcome to The Healthy Exception, the podcast for teenagers choosing to be the healthy exception to the unhealthy rule. I'm your host, Rachel Favilla, and thank you so much for trusting me with your time and your ears today and for tuning in. And today on the podcast, it's just me, um, and I'm going to be talking to you about fats and why they're not the devil, despite what we've probably grown up to believe. Um, It's funny, I've been putting this episode off for absolute ages um, because I keep thinking, oh, I should probably get you know, a qualified nutritionist or naturopath on the show with me talking about this because I probably don't know enough. I'll probably say something wrong and all of that. And then I thought, you know what? I have been researching this for years. I did my year 12 research project on this. I'm almost a qualified nutritionist myself. I'm in my final year of university before I do um, clinical placement, before I graduate you know, if I don't know my shit by now, really, there's something wrong. Um, and, you know, last fortnight, I talked with Melissa and we talked all about, you know, doing things independently and having confidence and trusting that you can do things. And I thought, well, you know what, practice what you preach, put your money where your mouth is, Rach, and do it by yourself because, I, you know, you probably do know enough. Um, so let's just dive straight in and talk about fats. So, you know, I think fats is just, it's one of those things I keep thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're kind of over that chapter in nutritional history where, we, where we're scared of fat and we think it causes heart disease. Like, we know that's not true. But, you know, then I step outside of my world at uni and, you know, some of my friends that are a bit you know, more switched on in terms of, you know, seeing through advertising. And I realized, no, people are still quite scared of of it, and you know, for good reason, because we've been so conditioned through advertising, through um, health promotion programs, through the dietary guidelines, through what we learn at school, a whole lot of different factors. We've been so conditioned to think, "Oh my God, fat is going to clog my arteries. I'm going to have a heart attack. It's going to make me fat. It's high in calories. It's this. It's that, and the other." Um, and it kind of stops there. Um, and you know, today I really want to break that down. Um, because I remember the first time I sort of started to go, oh, fat's not actually the most unhealthy, worst thing in the world. Um, it did make sense to me once I sort of, I started to understand that we need fat and it's such an essential part of our diets and it has all these functions in the body and it's not just fat itself, but it's contained in a whole lot of foods that have a whole lot of other benefits. So if we're not eating these foods. Yeah, we're not getting fat, but we're also not going to be getting a lot of other nutrients. Um, So I suppose the best way to start talking about fats and breaking it down um, is to talk, just give you some basic science. And it's very, very basic. We're not going to go into full-on biochemistry because that's not the purpose of this podcast. And you don't need to understand biochemical relationships just to know how to feed yourself well. Um, But just to give you a bit of context at context as to why we call different fats different things. So you've probably heard of saturated fat before, you know, that is often referred to as the bad fat, the fat to avoid, the fat to moderate, cut your, the fat off your meat and don't have full fat dairy and don't eat coconut products and all of that. Um, basically, saturated fat just refers to the chemical structure 
of the fat. So all fats are carbon chains. So they're a carbon linked with another carbon, linked with another carbon, linked with another carbon, and so on, so on, and so on. And a saturated fat just means that all of these carbons are saturated with hydrogen bonds. So if you imagine, if you if you got a piece of paper right now and you drew a C and then you went dash C, dash C, dash C, dash C, and you had all these little C's with dashes. And then you did little dashes off each of the C's and then you did a H, so dash H, dash H. And if you had a saturated fat, all of these carbons would have dashes with H's um, off of them, so hydrogen atoms off of them. So basically, saturated fats are carbon chains saturated with hydrogen atoms. That's as far into the biochemistry as we're going to go. That's why we call them saturated fats. Um, and they are more... Uh, so they tend to be more solid at room temperature. So you'll notice things like, you know, um, in winter, your coconut oil in the pantry is a solid. Um, and your butter, your block of butter, even if you leave it out for quite a while, unless it's really warm, it's still quite solid. Um, you know, chocolate, the fats in chocolate are quite solid. Um, you know, the fat on meat is quite sturdy. Um, it's just because it's, uh, the because the, um, there's no, Sorry, because they're saturated with hydrogen bonds, it just does make them more stable um, against heat. Um, and that was tended to be like the old school argument of, well, it's solid at room temperature and so it can, um, you know, clump up and clog your arteries and that'll cause heart disease. And it was a very simplistic view. Um, and then you've got your monounsaturated fats. And mono means one. So that just means that, yep, they're the same. You know, there's the carbon, dash carbon, dash carbon, all saturated with hydrogen bonds, except there's one carbon chain that doesn't, isn't saturated with hydrogen bonds and actually has a double bond on one of the chains. Um, but that's only one. And then you, we've got our polyunsaturated fats, which means that there's more than one um, carbon chain that isn't saturated with hydrogen atoms. Um, and if you've heard of things like your omega-3s and your omega-6s, that just means that on the third um, uh, link, so the third chain from the start of the chain, um, there's a double bond, that's your omega-3, and if it's um, on the sixth bond, that's your omega-6, on the ninth bond, that's, that's your omega-9, and so on. Again, we don't need to go into the major biochemistry, I'm just sort of um, talking to you about how we get the names of all the different fats. And then there's trans fats, which you've probably heard a lot of bad things about, and that is pretty spot on. Um, there's not really much conspiracy theory there. Trans fats, um, some foods like dairy products and meats naturally have very, very low levels of trans fats in them, and they're not really a huge harm to your health. Um, particularly, not in the you'd have to eat a lot of these foods to get harmful levels of these fats. Um, but, you know, in, in a lot of man-made fats, so, you know, your margarine, which used to be a liquid um, oil, like a olive oil or a canola oil or whatever, and we have heated that oil up to such a high temperature that it's gone quite rancid, um, and we've broken, um, so normally fats have a what we call a cis bond, um, and what happens when we damage the fats, um, so, you know, we heat up. Saturated fats, like I said, are quite stable when we heat them, so they're better for cooking. But, for example, mono and polyunsaturated fats, because they're not completely saturated with the hydrogen atoms, they're not as stable um, with to heat, and therefore, if we heat them up too high, we actually damage them, and they're the cis bonds change, change over to trans bonds. So it's like the bonds that were once straight and looked more like an equal sign um, have 
crossed over and now look more like a multiplica multiplication sign. Um, and that's a trans fat. And these are the fats that are quite pro-inflammatory that are linked to a whole host of diseases. And they're in your foods like your margarines. So if you go to the supermarket and there's that massive butter section and you've got your, you know, your rigidage butter, you've got the blocks of butter, you've got like your, um, I think the spreadable New Zealand butter soft, that's hundred percent butter. And then you've got all these other blends that are like, oh, vegetable oil blend, canola oil blend, olive oil blend. These generally will contain um, your, satch, your, sorry, your trans fats because if you think about it, olive oil should be a liquid. Um, sunflower oil should be a liquid. It should not be this, you know, and it's not um, a bright yellow butter color. They're, you know, different olive oils more got a darker color, um, all of that. So these foods have been mucked with that, you know, if, if a liquid oil is all of a sudden a solid, there is something funky going on. So that's a trans fat. Your things like your kofa, so your hydrogenated coconut oil that we often use for um, chocolate crackles. I remember as a kid always buying the kofa to melt to make um, chocolate crackles with the rice bubbles. They're your trans fats. Um, and generally speaking, as a rule, if you go to you know, bakeries and you get like pastries, unless they're made like really traditionally with butter, they will contain um, trans fats. A lot of packet biscuits um, and chocolate bars will also contain these trans fats. So it's just another, I suppose, good reason to stick to whole foods um, because whole foods don't contain um, trans fats. And if they do, they're in very small amounts that you probably wouldn't need to worry about anyway. So that's probably enough of the science. Um, that's just sort of understanding what, um, why, why we call certain fats by certain names. Um, so let's talk about some of the reasons why we might fear them. So you might be listening to this going, Rach, this is old hat. I know that fats aren't bad. Why are you even bothering? Like everyone else has already done a podcast and a blog post and this and, and written books on this like I know. Um, but I'm going to take a punt and say there's I know for me personally, sometimes I think, yeah, everyone knows, like I said at the beginning, and then you step outside of your own little bubble and you go, oh no, there still helps lots of people that still are caught up in this fat is bad and I must eat low fat and I must avoid it like the plague. So I thought I'm just going to take a punt and pretend that I've got an audience that, you know, are still in that process of either this is the first time they've ever heard about the fact that fats aren't going to kill you or they're in that you're in that process where you're like, okay, I've heard it, but I'm still I've still got this pent up fear just from years of stigma. So why do what are some of the reasons why we fear fat? Because I know I used to be quite scared of fat, like you know about ten or so years ago, um, maybe a bit even less than that. What am I now? Twenty turning twenty one, probably like even less. Like up until about the age of fourteen, fifteen, I was still quite scared of fat because there was cardiovascular disease in my family. Um, and I had a liver disease, so I really didn't tolerate fats very well, which just added to it. Um, I never, I don't think I ever put two and two together going, oh, I've got a liver disease. The liver produces bile that helps us digest fats. Therefore, of course, it's not going to, you know, make me feel very um, well. Um, I just sort of thought, oh, well, fats are unhealthy and bad. I know what, that's probably why they make me feel sick. I never put two and two together. So, you know, for years we have been told fats, particularly saturated fats, clog your arteries and cause heart disease. And now um, a lot of the research is coming out going, well, that was a bit of a simplistic view. Um, 
it's not that simple as fat contains cholesterol and cholesterol clogs your arteries. It's more that when the body's inflamed, um, parts of the body get damaged. And when there's damage, cholesterol goes to the site, uh, site of damage to deliver nutrients to the tissue to help you repair. And in acute situations, that's fine. Um, so, And by acute, I mean really instant. So if I cut my finger and... Um, you know, the whole inflammatory process will start and cholesterol will bring nutrients to the tissue to help it repair. And within a few days, you know, it'll scab over, it'll might scar a little bit and then that scar will fade. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I forget I even cut my finger until I get the mandolin out again and forget to put my gloves on and slice my finger open again, as an example. Um, and that's fine. But if I have something that is continuously causing inflammation and the cholesterol is continuously going to this site, um, and more cholesterol is going to the site than is being taken away from the site and it's hanging around and it's getting quite decayed and it's starting to adhere to the artery wall. That's the issue. But cholesterol is just, it's like shooting the messenger. Um, it's like blaming ambulances and police cars and fire trucks for the fire or for the crime or for the sickness. Um, when they're really just there to help. But if there are so many people there that need help, there's going to be so many cars and there's probably going to be more cars coming than there are leaving and it's going to get congested and it's going to get messy and that's what happens with the body. The cholesterol can't get moved along and recycled as quickly as it's coming and then it does because it's, um, you know, it's a fat and it's vulnerable to oxidation. It starts to oxidize and it can start to attach itself to artery walls and then that causes a plaque and if a bit of this plaque breaks off, it, you know, that's where there can be a clogged artery and that's where we sort of see the more heart attack, angina, those sorts of things occur. But it's not as simple as blaming the cholesterol. We have to blame the inflammation and we have to get to the root cause of that inflammation, which is very rarely the, you know, beautiful natural fats in our diet. So that's just to break that down. I'm sure that, you know, you can watch YouTube videos that go into more detail. There are probably more scientific podcasts out there if you're interested. And I'll give you some good resources at the end if you're interested in learning more. But I think that's a good place to start. So it's not as simple as I eat fat, I'm going to get heart disease. There's a big, there's a much bigger picture there. Um, we've also probably been, you know, because we've got a society that seems to be getting, well, not seems to, um, that is getting fatter, you know, this obesity and overweight statistics are rising, and we're told that fats are dense in calories, and they are. Um, sorry, I'm going to talk about kilojoules because it, we're in Australia and that's the metric system. So if you think about per gram, carbohydrates have 16 kilojoules, um, proteins have 17 kilojoules, and fats have 37. So they literally have double the amount of kilojoules per gram when compared to um, carbs and proteins. And because of that, and because we've been taught from the time that we're knee-high to a grasshopper, that it's all about calories in, calories out. It's about making sure that you're burning and eating equal amount of calories to maintain your weight. If you want to lose weight, you need to create a calorie deficit. If you want to gain weight, you need to create a calorie excess, or sorry, kilojoule excess, an energy excess. Um, and so a lot of people are fearful of gaining weight um, and therefore we think, well, fats are so dense in calories. If I eat too many of them, I'm going to get fat. And on a surface level, there's some truth to that. Like if you day after day after day are eating more, um, putting in more energy than you're burning, yeah, eventually your body is going to start storing that. But again, like with the whole heart disease thing, it's not as simple as that because different nutrients have different and different foods have different effects on our hormones. Um, and if you think about insulin, so insulin is our fat storage 
or energy storage hormone, really. So every time we eat carbohydrates, particularly the refined high GI carbohydrates, it spikes our insulin and um, the pancreas beta cells of the pancreas shoot out a whole lot of insulin um, ready to lower our blood sugar um, levels because it's quite dangerous for our blood sugar levels to be too high or too low. So insulin's there to help regulate that. So, you know, I, if you have a white bread sandwich, piece of white toast with jam, which is excessively high in refined carbohydrate, insulin pumps out the insulin, sorry, uh, the beta cells of the pancreas pump out their insulin to lower your blood sugar levels. And insulin basically gets your cells to uptake the sugar and store it away. And um, initially, it's fine because in our muscles and our liver, we have um, glycogen storage um, places. So that's um, our storage form of glucose. And they're like storage tanks, like a rain tank. So until we... um, fill up those stores, it's fine. You know, we use glycogen all the time when we, you know, do anything physical. So um, as long as we haven't exceeded our glycogen stores, this insulin response isn't too much of a big deal. Um, But what happens is a lot of us are eating, you know, we're scared of fat, right? So we're eating lots of carbs um, because we want to, A, we're not as scared of them a lot of the time. We've been brought up with them. That's just normal for us. We want, we know we love food and we will love eating. So we want to get more bang for our buck kilojoule wise. So we're eating quite a lot of carbs. And so a lot of us, our glycogen stores are overflowing. And once your liver glycogen and your muscle glycogen stores are full, so it's like a rain tank. Once, you know, it's, you never really worry, oh my God, if, what if the rain tank overflows? Because generally we don't get enough rain. But if it does, then where else is that rain going to go? Where is that glucose going to go? And as soon as our glycogen stores are full, our fat cells are going to uptake the sugar and store it. The body's going to convert the sugar to fat and we're going to store it as energy in fat cells. And if all our fat cells um, exceed the storage, then we're going to create more fat cells to store more energy. And that's the process of weight gain. Whereas when you eat fat, you don't get this same... It doesn't actually have any impact on your insulin. So again, that's not to say that if you don't over, that if you um, overeat fat, you won't gain weight. You will eventually, um, you know, but it's not as simple. So it's not as simple as going, I ate half an avocado. Oh my God, that was so high in calories. I'm going to get fat. Um, It's about being, you know, kind of smart about it and going, okay, it's probably not a good idea to have high refined carbohydrate foods as well as high fat foods because I'm still going to get that insulin spike and I'm going to get a massive load of calories. But if I have a lower carbohydrate or even just a a more whole foods, high fiber, low GI carbohydrate food with a good fat, I'm not going to get that same insulin spike. Therefore, I'm not that weight gain hormone is not going to be activated. So, you know, hopefully this just me talking about this again, there's YouTube videos, there are other podcasts, there are books, there are so many other ways you can learn more about this. But hopefully by me talking about this, it's just starting to break things down for you so that you start to go, oh, okay, so it's not as black and white. Because I think sometimes that can be it too. It's just um, the stigma that is created around fat that gets us scared about it. You know, we sometimes don't even know why. We don't even, we can't even tell you why fat is fattening. We just go, oh, it is because that's what I've been told my whole life. There is so, so much stigma still around fat and it's trickled its way into advertising. So even if you know 
nothing about fat really. Just even the fact that when you go to the supermarket, everything is labeled, oh, low fat, low in fat, reduced fat, fat free. You think, well, if what if they're they're advertising it, so obviously fat must be bad because why would they be making such a huge song and dance about the fact that there's no fat in this product if you know I didn't need to avoid it? So I think um, by talking about it and breaking it down and bringing just a touch of context into it, we can start to break down this stigma and break down this fear and go, okay, fat won't give me heart disease straight away. Fat won't make me gain weight straight away. Yes, there are instances where um, there, there's truth to both of those beliefs, but it's not as black and white as maybe what we've been told or what we've read in a magazine or read in the paper or heard on like a five-minute news snippet on one of those current affairs shows. Um, so let's talk. So that's there's some of the reasons why we've, we've probably been conditioned to fear fat. Now let's talk about why fat is so important and why I'm banging on about it so much. So if you think about every cell in the body having a phospholipid bilayer, and that's a really, you know, biochemical fancy schmancy term for um, the outer coating of our cells. And lipid is another word for fat. So basically every cell in our body has a fat component and every cell in the body has the ability to produce its own cholesterol. That is how important fat and cholesterol is. It is needed by every cell of the body. Um, You know, our hormones are made up of cholesterol and fats. So if we don't have enough fats, particularly us women, our hormones aren't going to work properly. Um, You know, we've got an epidemic of hormonal imbalances and menstrual concerns and all of that. And I'd I'd say there's quite a high link between, you know, low-fat diets and this um, imbalance. Our brain is made up of 60% fat, you know, and if our brain doesn't get the fat, the essential fats it needs, then it can't function properly. Again, we're seeing a lot of learning difficulties in children, and I'm not pointing a finger here, but I'm just putting it out there as a theory. I wonder if that's got anything to do with mum's diet while she's pregnant. Is she eating, um, you know, good nourishing fats, or is she still sort of restricting them because she doesn't want her herself or her baby to have heart disease because that's what she's been taught? Um, you know, for protection, our, I mean, obviously, we always hear about, oh, fat around our organs isn't healthy, you know, that's really dangerous, and that's true to an extent, but we do need a little bit of fat to protect our organs. Could you, you imagine sitting down and not having any padding on your butt? Like, it would just be bone on, you know, the wooden chair, and it would hurt. Could you imagine falling over and not having a bit of padding? Could you imagine, like, going through a winter without having a bit of padding? You would be so cold all the time. You wouldn't be able to regulate your own temperature. So, you know, we need fat for that. We need it for energy. Sure, we can use glucose for, you know, for um, a certain amount of time. But, um, you know, if you, once you've used up all your available glucose, then you need, you might need to switch over into it burning, burning fat. You know, humans are designed to burn sugar and fat at different times and for different activities. And so you need fat for energy so that, you know, a few hours after a meal and, you know, that the glucose from that meal sort of running low, you, you're not getting that blood sugar drop and that, oh my God, I'm starving and I need more energy. Your body goes, no worries. I'll just start burning some of your fat stores. I know you'll eat again soon. Um, and it's just, so it gives you that satiety and it gives you that flexibility to go a bit longer without a meal if you, if you need to or um, anything like that. 
Um, it's also really fantastic for athletes, you know, if, and um, I'm not going to go into that on this episode, but um, if you want to learn more about this, I really recommend the podcast, The Natural Nutrition, uh, sorry, uh, by The Natural Nutritionist. It's called The Real Food Real, and that's available on iTunes and also on thewellnesscouch.com. Um, and that talks a lot about athletes and how they can use fat to fuel their performance so that they don't have to overload their bodies with carbohydrates, you know, the day before and a few hours before a race and then, you know, load up on carbs afterwards, they can give the digestive system a break and, you know, tap into their own fat stores, which I think is a really interesting area that research is only just starting to look at. So that's very exciting. Um, that's also really important for us to absorb our fat soluble vitamins. So um, our vitamins A and E, which act as antioxidants in the body, and antioxidants help to reduce oxidation of in the body, oxidative stress, and therefore can actually have a positive impact on reducing heart disease by stopping the oxidation of cholesterol. Um, so, you know, it's almost a two-pronged pronged approach there. Um, we need fats for vitamin D synthesis. So when we go out in the sun and we're exposed to sunlight and our body makes um, vitamin D, which is actually a hormone, um, if we don't have sufficient amounts of fat and cholesterol, that process isn't going to happen as easily. And vitamin D is such an important nutrient that you do not want to be deficient in. Um, and we also need it to absorb vitamin K, um, and which is produced by our colon bacteria. And that's important for blood clotting. So if we didn't have enough vitamin K, every time we you know, scraped ourselves or you know, got a cart or anything, we would bleed to death. So again, just all these little things you probably have never really thought about in relation to fat, but it's really important that we get enough. Um, okay, so now we've talked about some basic science, um, so why the fats are called what, what they're called, why, what are some of the reasons behind this massive stigma and fear we have around fats, and, you know, what are the fats' functions? Why are they so important? Um, so now let's talk about how do we start to overcome this fear and stigma because it's all very well for me to be some chick on a podcast going, oh, don't worry about fats. Fats are so amazing for you and fat-soluble vitamins this and fat-adapted athletes that. But if you have, you know, if you're 15, 20, 25 and you have gone or older or younger and you've gone your entire life thinking that fat is going to kill you and you need to eat a low-fat diet, it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to put it into practice. Um, you know, I remember the first time I sort of started learning that fat wasn't the worst thing in the world. It's still, like, I definitely, like, I started eating more avocado and I started eating more nuts and, I, you know, I started cooking with coconut oil and all that. Like, it just, I slowly started to increase, but there was still, I remember the first time I started using pure coconut cream and using pure coconut oil, there was still this part of me that was worried about my heart, even though I knew the science wasn't there, even though I knew that it actually wasn't going to do anything to me up, like rationally up here, when I say up here, I'm pointing to my brain, um, there's, you know, I'd still, I was battling my entire life's worth of stigma around that. So my best um, advice is to start slowly, you know, you don't have to start eating this high fat, low carb diet. You know, it's about starting slow. So just if you really love avocado, but you go, oh my God, I can only ever have like an eighth of an avocado at a time, it might be building up to a quarter or, or a half an avocado at a time. If you like olive oil, but you use it really sparingly, just maybe using a little bit extra on your salad or on your veggies. Um, if you really love oily fish, but you tend to opt towards the more white fish, 
um, maybe you'll include a bit more oily fish in your diet because you're like, okay, it's not, um, you know, it's not as fattening as I thought it was. You know, fat, just because we, I think it's very misleading. We call it fat and because we call fat on our body fat, we go, off oh, fat makes me fat, but they're not really related in the same way. Um, yeah, so start really slowly. And also, I suppose, if you're having, if you're having fats, um, and, you know, when I, say, when I say fats, I'm talking about natural fats. Basically, if it's from a whole food source, it's going to be good. So you've got natural sources of saturated fat. You've got things like full-fat dairy, preferably organic if you're going to do that. Um, so beautiful things like, you know, organic full-fat yogurt and butter and really good quality cheeses. Um, your coconut products like coconut oil and coconut cream and pure coconut milk. Um, you know, things like organic chicken and uh, grass-fed meat, like, you know, grass-fed lamb or beef or something like that. Then you've got your monounsaturated fats, things like your olive oil, your macadamia oil, your avocado, and then your polyunsaturated fats, which are, um, which can include your essential fatty acids. So things like your salmon, your ocean trout, your mackerel, your almonds, your pistachios, your cashew nuts, all of those sorts of things. Um, so when I'm talking about eating those, maybe just making sure that if you're eating refined carbohydrates and, you know, taking those refined carbohydrates out and replacing them with your good fats, because yes, if you eat refined carbohydrates and fat, yeah, you are still going to get that insulin spike. Not as much. The fat will sort of help counteract that a little bit. Um, but if you're worried about weight gain, you're worried about heart disease, you've got that, um, predisposition to it because of family or, um, you've ha- you've had some sort of diagnosis in the past, then yeah, it's a good idea to f- focus on ha- like as I always say, um, and we talked about we've talked about in so many other episodes, having a whole foods diet um, that's high in real food. You know, not being scared of carbohydrates, but if you're having carbohydrates, having them from whole food sources, having you know sweet potato or buckwheat or banana or you know, those sorts of things, and then having your good fats with those foods, and then you're not going to get the same insulin spike. Um, Yeah, and so starting slowly, building up slowly, giving your body time to adjust, because if you've been on a low-fat diet for ages, it's going to be quite a shock to the system to have foods that's a lot richer. Your digestive system just isn't going to be used to it. Um, Sometimes we even need to help our bodies by, you know, maybe, um, you know, squeezing some lemon over our oily fish or using, if we're using olive oil in a salad dressing, putting some apple cider vinegar or some lemon juice or lime juice into the dressing um, because the um, acids in that will help stimulate digestive juices. Um, Or, you know, having, you know, sometimes we even, people need to take digestive enzymes from the health food shop just initially, um, just to support their body in breaking down the fats um, just initially because it may be their gallbladder um, which stores the bile that the liver produces to help us emulsify the fats. Um, It's just a bit sleepy. It's not used to working as much as we probably need it to. Um, Choosing your favorites, you know, just because I'm giving you the green light to eat fat, it doesn't mean that you have to eat all the fats from all the foods all the time, you know, choose what you love um, and know that you're going to go through different phases of your life where you crave different foods. So I, at the moment, am loving olive oil and Inca inchi seeds and cashews and macadamia oil. They're like my probably four main sources of fat at the moment. 
Um, but I also love things like salmon and ocean trout. I love a bit of coconut cream or coconut oil every so often. Um, I love every, you know, I, before I started struggling with some gallbladder problems due to surgical complications last year, I really loved some good quality butter. Um, and so, you know, it's just about choosing your favorites and just really learning to enjoy them rather than, you know, seeing them as a treat or something to feel guilty about going, wow, these foods are really nourishing and just really yeah, enjoying them and um, savoring them and preparing them in ways that you love them and, you know, making them part of a meal that's full of different colors and whole foods. Um, and not going overboard. You know, again, um, if you eat too many fats, yes, it'll create a, a kilojoule excess or a calorie excess and over time that will lead to weight gain if you're not burning it off. Um, but also it's just uh, it's just because fats are good, it doesn't mean we have to have this massively high fat diet that's really rich and we're sitting around eating sticks of butter. You know, that's not going to be healthy and that's going to displace other nutrient dense whole foods. And I know myself, I got did get to a stage where I probably did overdo the fats because I was like, all the fats, all the time. Yeah, like this is amazing. And you know, it probably was a bit overboard and I probably wasn't then eating enough of all the other foods that I still needed to get all the nutrients. So, you know, I, I suppose I'm not into the, the term everything in moderation because I feel like we've started to use that as an excuse for, oh, everything in moderation, I'll just have a slice of cake. Everything in moderation, I'll just have this takeaway. Um, but I suppose in terms of, um, you know, the message here is, you know, fats are good and I'm doing this episode to remind you that, you know, they're good for you and you you need them. They're not like this optional thing that you'll that you have because you've got a fast metabolism and you can handle them. Like everyone um, does need them. It's but you also don't need to excessively overdo it. Um, and just you know, start to learn and to trust. So, like I said, when I first started to increase the fats, I was a little bit fearful of coconut cream and coconut oil because it's like, oh. I've been told for ages that this is going to give me a heart attack and, you know, all of that. And um, the more I had it and the more it, I just got used to using it in my cooking, the more I learned to just enjoy the beautiful taste and trust that it actually wasn't harming me at all and I was thriving on it and, you know, my skin actually was – the whites of my eyes were whiter and my skin actually glowed more and my hair was shinier and I credited it to the fats and just enjoying that process, not rushing things and just every day, um, you know, listening to a podcast like, podcast like this or reading, um, you know, maybe if you see an article in the paper or in a magazine or online that reminds you of some of the benefits of fat, just like printing it off or cutting it out and just having it by you just to break down that stigma. Sometimes I think the more we're exposed to something and something becomes our new normal, the easier it is to get over old fears and beliefs that no longer serve us. Um, yeah, so I think that that covers it really. Um, just, you know, this, I didn't want it to be a overwhelmingly long episode or anything because, like I said, there's so many other great resources out there um, if you want to learn more about the benefits of fat and um, maybe learn about why there's been some uh, mix-up in the scientific literature about, you know, telling us that fat's going to kill us when it isn't and learning more, I suppose, about the carbohydrate and insulin response side and how that is, we're finding now, tends to be more of a risk of 
um, chronic disease than fat intake and learning about the different types of fats and the foods that different fats are found in and how roughly how much you need of each. Um, you know, there are so many fantastic resources that you can go on to and I'm sure have already done more justice to that than this podcast. But, you know, it is a topic that I'm very passionate about and that I've had my own experience in kind of doing a full one 180 turn on my beliefs and I wanted to cover it and I hope I've done it justice even though it's just been me and I haven't had some, anyone else on here with me. Um, so if you want to learn more about fats, you can go on to my website, all the w's.realsoupforthereelsoul.com, and I've written several articles on the functions of fat, how to increase fats in your diet without going overboard. Um, pretty much all my recipes use some form of a healthy fat, be it avocado or olive oil or coconut oil. Um, so yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, like I mentioned before, the website, thenaturalnutritionist.com is really fantastic and Steph Lowe, is, who is the natural nutritionist, um, her podcast, The Real Food Real, is fantastic. She talks a lot about um, fats from an athletic performance point of view. So if you're a young teenage athlete or really into, into your sport, that might be a great resource for you. Um, quirky cooking is always a good one, www.quirkycooking.com. Um, she, my, that's my friend Jo Witten who was on here, uh, late last year. She's got fantastic recipes. And again, she's very much into just using whole food forms of fat and combining them with a whole lot of other nutrient dense ingredients to create delicious, tasty, tasty, satiating meals. Um, Lola Berry is fantastic. Her site I think she used to do radio interviews um, on a radio station in Melbourne and I think she did a few um, interviews talking about fat and breaking down some of the stigma and I think they're on her website. Um, also her books um, have lots of recipes with beautiful nuts and seeds and avocado and salmon and all of that. So if you're needing, you're like, okay, I want to increase the good fats in my diet and I want you know some nice recipe books, um, with that already have recipes that are quite balanced in there. Um, Lola Berry's are great. So are Sarah Wilson's cookbooks. Um, she is, and she writes a lot about, you know, in very layman's terms about fats and, you know, what they're good for and how they've really, they helped her to um, change her diet and get some of her inflammatory markers under control and um, start to recover from her autoimmune disease and all of that. Um, so Sarah Wilson's books are fantastic. And by going to these resources, I'm sure you will be led to a whole lot more resources. Um, and it's a great topic to learn more about. And it's just at the end of the day, it's about breaking down that stigma. It's not to say that we can just live off fat for the rest of our lives and it doesn't matter at all and calories make no difference. There's still elements of truth there. It's just to go, they're not the devil. They're not going to kill you and they're not going to make you fat as long as you don't overdo them and you're not eating them alongside refined carbohydrates. Um, yeah, so if you think this episode is a bit of an eye-opener or you've got someone in your life that you're trying to tell, like, no, that's not bad, don't, you know, you don't need to count calories, like X, Y, Z, um, maybe share this with them and it might just, you never know what's going to be someone's aha. Um, yeah, share it around on social media. Um, and until next fortnight, I hope you have a fantastic two weeks and that you keep researching stuff that you find interesting so that you can be more, more empowered about your health okay bye lovely ones catch you later 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.